0: Welcome to a new year with Talking About You with Estra, radio and podcast. Bringing car accident support to the injured, those facing insurance company and employer ERISA challenges, covert and overt surveillance against those involved in collisions, along with car accident general topics. This is Estra from Seattle, Washington, USA opening up the lines of communication to those involved in car wrecks or those interested in making life better for the millions dealing with car accident collision concerns. If this is you, dial in today to the program and be a part of the solution. Don't let fear stop you from helping others. Believe me, we are all in this together. Let's get talking. Welcome, listeners, to Talking About You with Estra's radio and podcast. I'm glad you're here with me, Estra, broadcasting today from Seattle, Washington, USA. This new program schedule allows more time for conversations between you and me. This is Car Accident Talk Radio with Estra, where we talk about the issues of the week, personal care and recovery, auto insurance, employee ERISA insurance, through employers, social security disability, car collision, surveillance, and any topic of interest to you listeners, about a car wreck. So let's get started. Are you on Medicare, Medicaid, or social security disability? Did you realize President Trump, President Trump and the Republican Congress are out to cut them? How will these cuts impact your life? Most people in these programs are already not making enough money to make ends meet. What's the purpose of their actions? And how do you think we should proceed with this? Give me a call today at 718-766-4385 and share your comments with me. Well, actually, what we'll have to do today is if you could just half uh, hashtag. Extra, that's E S T R A, and put out your responses. That would be great. As usual, harack, I mean, usually call them online hacking harassers have blocked the lines, and so it's going to be difficult for you to get through. But keep on trying, and I'll also try keeping to get things uh, resolved on my end. But otherwise, we're going to go ahead and continue. I have several Articles I'd like to, to share with you, and you can post your comments out there again on Estra's Radio Show. That's it for Twitter, at Estra's Radio Show, and you can use the hashtag, Estra. One of the concerns I have is whether the Democrats are going to stand up for the fight. Many times we keep hearing that Democrats are out there fighting, but mainstream media isn't talking much about it. What can we do to help them in this fight to get their point across? Should we be saying to mainstream media, hey, why aren't you talking about what Democrats are saying? Are you just talking about the Republicans? Another thing is with the crazy week we've had, we've had all these executive orders from the new President Trump, and most of them have impact people with few resources. Why didn't the Republicans, because I doubt that President Trump could write all of those executive orders in one week about all of those major issues without their help. So why didn't Republicans go after the wealthy in the president's first week? Okay. You can also keep trying to line to give me a call at 718-766-4385. Again, the phone number is 718-766-4385 for talking about you with Estra. I would love to hear your comments and what you actually have to say about that. Because people on uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security are really going to have, we're already having a tough time. And unfortunately, uh, insurers aren't making it any easier. If you ask to look at their bottom line, how much their bonuses were this year, and how much they've been paid out, and actually how many people in mainstream they haven't, or, or Main Street, they haven't paid out, it comes up with some good questions as to what's really going on at there. And that's the reason also that each of us should support insurance civil rights legislation, because without it, uh, we, people involved in car accidents, aren't necessarily going to get the benefits that we've been promised. We, we might face delays, denials, Even lawsuits that, of course, with with the money that they have, these big corporations, it's really hard to get in the battle with them when they can last 10 years. And most people who are actually, if they didn't need insurance, they wouldn't buy it, for one thing. But having to go out there and try to survive without money is a problem. So far too many people are settling for far less than they should or getting nothing at all a moment and talk to you about a couple of things that they were talking about this week on Medicare. One of the things that Elizabeth Warren Moore's Donald Trump, is: she says, don't cut Medicare or Medicaid. I would also add, don't cut Social Security disability or Social Security. Many people who retired have spent decades trying to actually make it or get ready for the time in which they did retire and be able to actually make it on their own. It's unfortunate that uh, people could come to their later years of being elders, and then all of a sudden what they expected just isn't there. So personally, I believe that's a problem. But uh, one of the things I'd also like to recommend is the articles. I'm not going to – I'm just going to have a summary of some of the things that they're talking about in the article. But if you go out and actually take a look at it, that would be great. Like, uh, for example, Tammy, her name is Lubby, actually wrote this uh, article about Elizabeth Warren, who warns Trump, don't cut Medicare and Medicaid. Okay. So they're saying, quote, during the campaign for president of the United States, and they're talking about Donald Trump, of course, you differentiated yourself from your 16 primary opponents by noting that you were the only Republican who would protect Medicare and Medicaid. And this is uh, Elizabeth Warren saying this, Massachusetts. Uh, And she's saying, after winning the election, you certainly appear to be using language supporting policies that would gut Medicare and Medicaid programs. So if you have an opinion on why President Trump all of a sudden would change his opinions about cuts for Medicare and Medicaid when he said he wouldn't, Tell me at hashtag TellEstra at Estra's Radio Show on Twitter to hear what you think is really going on and whether you feel that President Trump could have put out all of these executive orders in one week without actually having very much knowledge about how this process works without the Republican Congress. Uh, frankly, from my opinion, a lot of the ideas that he's actually – putting out right now are from them and their behavior of the things that they wanted to put in place uh, for a long time but weren't able to. And the thing that also disturbs me quite a bit on this is the fact that the previous president, President uh, Obama, they refused to work with on so many of the issues now they're trying to ram down our throats. because is this because they think they'll only have four years to do it? Or do they think that if people, like the Women's March this last past weekend, that if they don't get up and start saying things, people get up and start fighting against them, they won't get them through. So tell me exactly what you think about it. And I'm only going to quote this one more section in this article by uh, Tammy uh, Labai. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correct. I don't know uh, what it is. It says, quote, Destroying Medicare and making seniors pay more is not what the American people voted for in the November election. So if you're a Trump voter out there and you weren't expecting him to actually take away your Medicaid, your Medicare, or your Social Security, use the hashtag TellEstra to let me know out on Twitter at Estra's Radio Show. And so the last part of the quote says, Today we delivered a stern message to the Republicans in Congress because we know that it's the Republican Congress that's leading this. So don't be deceived. From my opinion, the Republican Congress has been trying to get things done, not for the American people, but for the lobbyists that come to them, you know, for decades now and who actually pays for their elections in most cases. They're the ones who are behind this push. Frankly, by using the money that's available in Medicare, Medicaid, or Social Security, dropping it into the stock markets would make them plenty of money. But guess what? It would not make Main Street any more money. In fact, it probably will make, make Main Street less money. Okay, but I'll get to this last part of the quote. It says, today we will deliver a stern message to the Republicans in Congress. We will not stand by dismantle the promise of a healthy and dignified retirement for working people in our country. There's two things I want to say about that. The the term working people, why are we so afraid to say poor people or middle-class people? Why do we say working people? There's no shame in being poor, and there's no shame in being middle-class. All of us don't want to be rich. All of us would like a decent wage, like women being able to be paid equal salaries as men and not being paid less. Black people would like to be paid equally. Hispanics, Asians, everyone wants to be on the same playing field, the same footing. So why aren't we on that footing? And who doesn't want us to be that way? And who tries to use divisive language and attitudes? thing we know for sure, we're not moving back in that direction as Americans. At the immigration uh, executive order that President Trump did today, and at New York City Airport, there were many people out there saying, allow these Iraqis off the plane, release them, they've done nothing, and we're not going to be biased against a single group of people. Because I can guarantee you one thing, when we start isolating ourselves and picking on one or not speaking out when one group is being treated with less dignity than they should, then we're all going to be headed for that road. I guarantee you they will not stop with this one segment of our society, whether that's homeless people, which, by the way, is a problem to me. Why do we have so many homeless people in America now? Who's driving up all of the home prices and who benefits from it? It's not poor people. It's not Main Street. So from my perspective, it's seriously a problem. But I'm going to read this whole paragraph. It's a short paragraph to you again because obviously I had a lot to say about those. Please go ahead and keep getting getting through. Try to get through at 718-766-4375. That's Talking About You with Estra on Block Talk Radio and also, you can, you can actually reach me on iTunes also under the same one for the podcast. Okay, quote, destroying Medicare and making seniors pay more is not what the American people voted for in the no- November election. And this is what Pelosi said, by the way. Do you agree with her? She says to go on, today we will deliver a stern message to the Republicans in Congress. And who did she say she was talking about? The Republicans in Congress. Does that mean that the Republican Congress had to make decisions that would hurt Main Street, that they have to always promote uh, things that that actually give more money to people within the 1% that don't need it, uh, or infrastructure that President Obama worked very hard in an attempt to, Work with the Republicans, you know. He kept trying to use that word, quote, compromise. Compromise? Why compromise with a group of people in Congress who, before you were even elected, said they wanted to make you a one-term president? Right now, a lot of people are saying, well, we can't go back and talk about what was going on in the election before with Hillary. That's passed. I beg to differ on that. I think when we find out about the redistricting that the Republicans have done, uh, the things that are going to come out about Putin and the president, believe me, it's not going to be hidden. Whatever is there is going to come out. Therefore, we should be talking about those things. We should talk about the things that happened. And when we talk about voter suppression and how that impacted the, the election against Hillary Clinton we, we shouldn't just back down From these things From my perspective It's very important to talk about the things That are happening here And not just uh, brush them under the rug If we brush them under the rug We're going to wake up In another 10 years And the America we know won't be here And it will be because, because We did not get up and stand up But the good news is we getting up and standing up. And we should thank President Obama for talking about community organizing and helping us to understand what we can do to be able to make things better. I think that's just a gift that he left us to help us to get through whatever we might have to face in the next four years. And, okay, this is the third time I've tried to get through this paragraph, so this time I'm not going to stop. I'm going to get through it. It says, destroying Medicare and making seniors pay more is not what the American people voted for in the November elections. That's what Pelosi said. Today, we will deliver a stern message to the Republicans in Congress. We will not stand by while Republicans dismantle the problems of a healthy and dignified retirement for working people in our country this is a great article to read. Again, it's written by Tammy Lubby and it was on December 8th of 2016. But she's talking about Elizabeth Warren, warning Trump, don't cut the Medicare. So it will be interesting to sit back and see exactly what um, the Democrats do. I mean, we're not really pleased by them. Or if, if we had been pleased by their actions, they wouldn't have lost so many seats, both on the federal level and on the local level. We've been waiting for them to stand up and say, we're with you. We want to fight with you. Do we know this is difficult with the vast amount of money that the Republican Party has? Yes, we do. But I suggest that even though they have a lot more money than we do, we have a lot more fire than they do. And all we have to do is stand up and raise up our voices and say, we're not dealing with this, we don't want this, and put those who think, in terms of wall street more than main street out of office so give me a call at 718-766-4385 and tell me your thoughts about the medicaid medicare and social security cuts that trump is presenting again and if you can't reach me by that number go out to twitter at estra's radio show and use the hashtag tell estra to let me know what you think And uh, here's another one. It's by Michael, and it's, uh, I'm assuming his last name is Hiltzik. It's H-I-L-T-Z-I-K. So I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly. And uh, it's a, an Associated Press one. And I'm not going to read it. I just want to go through a couple summaries and just recommend that you do actually go out there and read some of the information, things here that just really stand out to me. And it says Alabama and Texas, for example, limit Medicaid to families earning less than 18% of the federal poverty level, or that's $3,629 a year for a family of three. Now, personally, I'm a Washingtonian, so I kind of thank God for that at this moment. But if I was living in Alabama and Texas, and my poverty level or my yearly income was $3,629, I do not know how I would survive. And even with Medicare and that assistance, it would be very difficult to feed myself and my family, pay my utilities, pray I don't have a car, and really pray that I don't get in a car accident and have to deal with insurance companies. Um, But I don't know how, how you can live. How can you live? Have you ever had to pay for children's clothing for the school year? Where are you going to get that money for amount of three thousand six hundred twenty nine dollars a year? I mean, that's just kind of a—it's a scary thought. And the other issue I have, what they're talking about with Medicaid, which is also in this article, is block grants for Medicaid, and that's back to the states. All states in the United States are not created equal. In fact, if they were, we'd have a lot less problems, and we'd have people being able to live on whatever they have a lot more equitably. So block grants don't always go out where they should. For example, the Medicaid grants may go elsewhere for some states, or, for example, what they did for, with the Barack Obama presidency. There has been money just sitting there because the Republican Congress refused to release it and hurt the American people. Let me say that again. There is money that the Republican Congress refused to release when President Obama was in office because they did not want him to succeed. And when they didn't allow him to succeed, they hurt many, many American people. What is that about? We want money that should be paid out in Medicaid, to be paid in Medicaid, okay? If it's supposed to go to Medicare, then it should go to Medicare. If it's supposed to be in Social Security, it should be in Social Security and not in Wall Street or at the stock market for Wall Street to make an arm and a leg from. And that's not even, I haven't even got to talking about the auto insurance company and the people that are out there today. You know, there will be thousands and thousands of people today who are involved in car accidents. And they're worried, and from my opinion, they should be worried because they don't know where these insurance companies are going to pay and help them like they promised, or they're going to delay it so much that they're not going to be able to afford the bills that they have, and some might actually even lose their homes or other their cars. I mean, there's a vast number of things that can go wrong when you're expecting enough money and it doesn't come out and then you don't receive it in a timely manner. And what about those people who they actually don't even pay? And my question would be to the insurance company and the insurance industry, you know, show us what you've really been doing. Why don't you take out and show how much for an injury that you pay women versus what you pay men versus what you pay black people versus what you pay white people versus what you, uh, the money as far as economic levels like poor people middle class people, and rich people. I'd like to see how those things cut out. One thing we know is that they know rich people are going to fight them for the money. And they also know poor people don't have enough to fight, which is to me problematic. I mean, even when you think about poor people, even attempting to go to court to get justice, our court system seems to be made up more of justice with wealth Mm -hmm. than with anything else. When it, when it comes to the point where when you go to court and it's about not what is right and what is just, it's about just being able to have the right amount of money to win a case, something wrong. And while I'm on that little rant and brave, Garland should have been appointed the Supreme Court justice. So when they tell you don't look at what happened with the, the judge for, Garland, for him for Supreme Court, Think about it. Think about it when our society begins to start stealing things like Supreme Court justice appointments that don't belong to them. Think about when we have a Republican Congress that chooses to do what they want to do, regardless of the impact of what the people want. For example, gun control. The majority of Americans, especially after Sandy Hook, wanted subtype type of gun control what what did what did the Republicans do? They listened to the gun lobbyists, and what did the gun lobbyists say? They said a person the person with a the only way to be the person with a uh bad gun is to have a good gun or have another gun. Uh, I hope you get the point I'm trying to make about that, But that's not always good who wants no one wants their children killed. No one wants anyone in their family killed, which takes me even to Chicago where he's talking about, this uh, is President Trump here, talking about uh, making sure that he can stop the violence in Chicago. And Chicago is not even one of the major cities for gun violence. But if Mr. Trump or President Trump is serious about that, what he'll do is make sure that education is, is equal in our society. Doesn't he realize that you can go to a 100 schools, and they'll have different levels of education? Do they do that? Put, make sure that everyone is supposed to be able to compete fairly? How can that be? If you're getting a, a, a second-rate education and you're trying to get into a top, a top school, how can that be? You're not even equipped. And even if you get in, you'll have to go and start back, far back, way below where your peers are. There's something wrong with that. When we as a society decide that we're not going to be equal for everyone, it's a problem. So why would President Trump want to cut Medicare, Medicare, and Social Security disabilities? When they're saying that it's going to go, Social Security doesn't have enough to survive, that's only if they don't do what they're supposed to do. There is enough money for Social Security. Why are they continuing to use fear on those who have so little, who have enough fears already in daily living, that they don't need any additional fears? Is it so that they can get their agendas passed, so they can continue to ignore the children in our society who are expecting to be able to have a decent life? From my perspective, when the president starts talking about cutting from those who have so little, and and that it's a problem. Quite frankly, it's a problem. And they're talking about, and also in this article, I guess I, from Mike. I'm getting his name even close to right. The last name is H I L T Z I K. Okay, and he's also talking about Ma- Marshburn, Marshburn, quote unquote in this. Mashburn Long has been an advocate of cutting social programs. In 2012 interview with Ben Gamamici of the right-wing Heartland Institute that Giuliani unearthed, he also plumped for block-granting Medicaid. You know, so a lot of the things that they're, they're trying to do are not really helping our children. And I'll just, I'll just talk about the last quote here, or last paragraph, and I also recommend that you go out and read this one. It says there are 650,000 children programs that, uh, it says percent of the children on the program are not really physically disabled. That's a belief. You know, I really have a pet peeve with this uh, as far as disability. How do people know when people are disabled? Can you tell a person who's disabled by how they look? No. You can't can you also determine uh, uh any the, that a person has a disability from the way they talk not always, and first of all, who are they to judge? who are they to judge they're They're not the ones to judge, okay There are people who are professionals who can discern people who are hard disabled and those who are not. but when it comes down to people judging people for not being disabled because they don't want to pay. This could be auto insurance companies. Um, this could be employers trying to get out of paying their ERISA. This could be other long-term disability insurance or other people. The key of the other matter is if you promise to pay someone, don't try to make the excuse that they're not disabled so that you don't have to pay. If you want to live the life, I I say that, you live life in the, the boots or the shoes of a disabled person and see how that works out. See what the struggles are, what they have to deal with day in and day out. Otherwise, don't go out there and assume that you know who's disabled and who's not. And when Republicans start talking about disability and people not being disabled... Who wants to be disabled? People would love to be able to go out and work. There's a satisfaction that most people get in doing work. So why would they want not to do that? They would want to do it. There's, there's no income in being disabled. In fact, most people who are disabled and on disability don't make enough to actually meet their everyday needs. So who wants to spend the rest of their lives struggling to get by? It's certainly not the Republican Congress, because they certainly make enough with the actually their the Medicare or their their health care, their income, to do the things and help their family in the way in which they want to. So for them to say something about the disabled, I find it very offensive. Everyone in this world only wants a chance to be able to do the best that they can. That's all any of us can ask or any of us want. Nobody wants a leg up. Nobody wants to be able to have to pull themselves up from their bootstraps without any straps, which is in the most case for far too many people today. So from my perspective, when they start talking about cutting Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security, frankly, they need to actually ask themselves why. Why would you try to take out a box of money there versus just going over and grabbing some of that money that all the rich people are leaving overseas. That's money that's not even been taxed. That would be my question. Okay, let me see for another article here we have here. This actually was one that I wanted to ask, uh, Clinton and Trump, and where they stood on retirement programs. And the one thing I would like to say about uh, Hillary and Trump I suspect that if Hillary, especially with the voter suppression that went on, if Hillary had been in office, I personally believe what she told us she was going to do, she would also do. Okay. First of all, both Clinton, and this is actually from iStock, and it's from Eleni Solly, and she's an intern. Okay. And this came out in July of 29 of 2016. But she talks about, and like I said, I'm just going to summarize or pull a couple of things out of here. It says that both Clinton and Trump have pledged to protect Social Security, Medicare, but in recent weeks, Trump's advisors have hinted at a move towards cuts. Now, why would Social Security and Medicare? And more importantly, why in the world would he listen to them? If he says, I understand where people on Medicare and Social Security are, I can't imagine him being willing to go to agree with a lot of the Republicans who, for their own self-interest motives or their lobbyist interests, would choose to cut Social Security. So what she says on here, uh, Melania says, the key differences, and I'm only going to read you one, but um, I would recommend going out and taking a look at it where it says Clinton would expand Social Security benefits for women who are widows and caregivers and let individuals over age 50 or 55 buy into Medicare. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like compassion. That sounds like somebody caring about someone else and what they're doing. And Trump pledged to preserve Social Security and Medicare throughout his campaign, has his campaign, but as we know by his executive order, that's fallen. To the wind so that's mine the following to the wind so which is tragedy and this I thought was interesting in her article she says by 219 which is only two years away interest rates won't be enough to close the funding gap and without further reforms payments will be cut by 21 percent in 2034 and that's only if they don't have rich folks do what they should have been doing in the first place. When poor folks and middle-class poor folks have been the majority of people paying in, um, and they would say, well, rich people pay more, but do they really sort the of percentage of their income? I would think not. So I think a lot of things in the way in which they're setting up things are in ways that actually hurt the injured. So the injured and also the disabled and those who are retiring. So I would really take a close look when people are saying to me, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, that, it's, it's the, that Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid should be cut. So I, I truly have a problem with what they're saying there. This is what I think is really important because this is really where the Republican Congress has been trying to take this. And this is really, from my perspective, a major problem. And it's in this article. It says, as with Social Security, Clinton opposes any attempt to phase out or privatize Medicare. Now, why would you want Medicare privatized? You want Medicare privatized so that rich folks could be richer folks. That's not going to make our health care better. It's not going to make the costs go down. It's going to be a benefit for them. So why would anyone want to do that? It just, it's, to me, it's just such a tragedy. Another thing Clinton said she would do, I haven't heard what Trump says he's going to do about uh, uh, the cost of uh, prescriptions. But what Clinton said, she says, other medical proposals include driving down prescription costs for seniors, building on delivery system reform, and endorsing bundled payments that allow individuals to make one payment for care rather than pay out multiple providers involved in treatment. Clinton had it going on. What we should have been looking at, from my perspective, is not her emails but her record and what she was wanting to do for us. Because right now I know, I don't know, you'll have to tell Estra, so you'll have to go out to Twitter at Estra's Radio Radio Show on Twitter, hashtag TellEstra. And let me know whether you wish you would have voted for Clinton if you didn't, because from my perspective, a lot of people right now, especially on uh, Medicare, they're paying out several different locations for insurance, which actually is making the price higher. I personally was a single-payer kind of person because I think when we all have health care, we're all going to be better. Some people think, well, I don't want it that way because if I can choose mine, it'll be better than the next guy's. Well, i tell you what, I don't think it will be, unless you are in that 1% or 2% that can go anywhere and do anything, anywhere to get whatever you need. So from my perspective, I would I would consider that not necessarily being something that's going to happen. Okay, let's see what we have here. Let's try one more. Again, go ahead and give us a, be a call at And if you can't reach the number, because hacking harassers are always trying to block our conversations. And why is that? Because insurance companies know when people injured in car accidents get together and they start sharing their experiences and they start talking about not getting their benefits and they talk about the harassment and intimidation they face, and some people, because of that, have even given up their benefits because they couldn't handle all the bullying. Tell you one thing today, tomorrow, and however long it takes, insured civil rights legislation will change this. Insured civil rights legislation means that people involved in car accidents will be treated with dignity and actually be able to get. A fair settlement and benefits as they thought they would when they signed up for their insurance. Okay, this is the last one. I'm, I'm gonna just pull out a couple things for you, and it's uh, it talks about Donald Trump is coming for your Medicare. Okay. and it says the selection of Tom Price to head the the Health and Human Services brings a president, excuse me, president in alignment with who. Speaker Paul Ryan. Let me say that again. There's two things it said there. It says, number one, Donald Trump is coming for your Medicare. And why is it? It's not because, from my perspective, he's had enough time since he's been office to investigate the whole thing. It's because Tom Price, the head of the Human Health Services, has certain things that he believes, but they're also in alignment with Speaker Paul Ryan. So just because people are saying that this is what they want to do, I just hope my main goal, or not goal, I should say, my main hope is that President Trump will actually take a look at the path in which many of the Republicans are trying to lead him down and decide that's not what he promised, it's not what the people who voted for him want, and that he's going to do things that. Are the right thing to do. Not something that's politically motivated, not something that'll just make Kim a lot of money, but something just for everyday Americans. Because if we keep going down this path of doing things for a selected few, then something in our country is going to have to happen because far too many people are living with so little and for so long. See what we have here. Let's see here. Price, in this article, by David David Davin, says Price has issued a detailed replacement plan every year since 2009 before the ACA even passed. Now, if this was true, by the way, the Republican Congress would have an ACA or Obama plan. The fact of the matter is Obama had implemented was the a Republican plan, right? So when they're saying they don't have one, they have one. They have one because Obama used theirs in hopes hope to compromise, God, I hate that word now, to compromise with them in order to get uh, the ACA through. It says Price Empowering Patients First Act contains the unusual features of conservative health care plans. Poorly funded, high risk pools for anyone rejected for a pre-existing condition. Oh lordy, pre you got a pre-existing condition. I hope you're getting ready to fight because the Republicans want to take that away from you, se- separate you out into a space that means you can't even have any insurance, co- any insurers, and go ahead and take you out so that you can't even get the care that you need. So when they're talking about a pool of high risk people that doesn't work it has to be a pool of everyone in those pools or the the risk is going to be too high and quite frankly a lot of the insurance companies aren't going to actually tolerate it because they've been getting much much more money than that and they're not going to just all of a sudden be willing to take a lot less money okay so this one i can go out and take a a read about it uh but they want to actually turn Medicaid into block grant programs, please go out to take a look at that on the Internet because it's important to know what the Republican Congress is up and how, if they get their way, it will impact you. Okay, let's see here. I wanted to mention about the 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner it's out there. It's by me, Extra. And it brings comfort and organization to a situation with too much stress and worries. And don't most people involved in car accidents know about that? So you can spend less time thinking about where to find things by placing them in your planner. You get calls in the middle of the day or, or later on and they're asking you about certain situations, and maybe it happened a week ago or two weeks ago, or perhaps you have a question you wanted to follow up on in your Uh, 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner For Easy Retrieval Why struggle trying to reinvent A method to help with a car accident When the Car Accident Weekly Planner Has already done for you So Go out, take a look I'll also come back and talk about it And learn just how much Easier life can be with the 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner By Estra Whether you need it right now or later In the year It'll be available. Make sure that you're looking at the right one. It's called 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner by Estra. You can find it at com or out on eBay. Uh, <clears throat> Unfortunately, harassers tend to try to get you to look at other uh, weekly planners. So make sure that you go out and you take a look specifically at that one. And you can also find out more details on Estra Seattle. Dot com. That's com on the 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner. Okay, let's see here. Be sure again to give me a call at 718-766-4385. And if the hacking harassers are stopping you from getting in, which they're good at, be sure just to go out to Twitter at Estra's Radio Show and um, hashtag Tell Estra and let me think and tell me what you think about this show. Another question I still have is why didn't the Republicans go after the wealthy in the president's first week? Why, why did he pick on the poor people or the middle-class people or the people in Chicago or the immigrants or the Muslims? I mean, why, why this sector of our society did, did he choose to highlight this week? Right? And another thing that's trying it's just a pet peeve of mine, of them talking about the rural people. Why don't they just say white people? Why don't they just say poor white people, people that are white that, don't, that haven't had much need? Why are they trying to use these code words for all of us? Say it like it is. Tell it like it is. That's what we all actually need. So by pretending that to are You're saying uh, that's one of the things I liked about the elections was they were pointing out the different areas and saying, these are rural white people, okay? That's fine. There are people over our country. Some of them are white. Some of them are black. Some of them are yellow. Some of them are red. Some of them are something in between or a mixture of many of them to know that we're all in this boat together. And if you think we're not, keep watching this year and see what's done because I guarantee you 99% of us are of all different races, all different creeds, all different religions. And the main thing we have to do is say that's not what our issues are about today. That's not about Medicare being cut or Medicaid being cut or Social Security being cut. That's a green cut, right? That's about what it is, a green cut. So we need something that actually supports us all, doesn't make differences between us, make us uh, dislike each other because it doesn't matter what we are. What matters is that we are all treated fair, that we're treated with dignity and the things that we need, we have an opportunity to get. Which brings me to, I'm sure sorry that the hacking harassers actually broke the line, but I'll tell you today and I'll tell you tomorrow, no matter how much bullying, intimidation, harassment they do, I'll still be here. So I wanted to take a moment, and and actually this last week I started a new series on disability surveillance targets. So I want to actually talk about some of the things that are out there on extraseattle.com. Go out there and take a look at it, and and actually write a comment and tell me uh, what you think about it. So I'm just going to start here. It talks about auto insurance, long-term disability corporations, Employers who've taken up being your insurers for employee benefits along with Social Security disability makes their insured disability surveillance people targets. What does that mean? That means if you've applied for any of these to any of these companies or organizations, you might end up being a disability surveillance target. And why would that be? From my perspective, it would be because they don't want to pay your benefits. The more they can save, the more they can use and the more and the less that you have to live on. First it starts off that the powerhouse is forcing you to give them the information to help harass and intimidate you. You Now tell me that ain't crazy. The first application, remember this very clearly, because most of us are injured or sick or uh, disabled and we're not aware all the only thing we know is we need help and these people promise to help us. So listen closely to this. The first application for benefits supplied insurers with everything about you, your social security number, which will supply a vast amount of information on your life since inception. They know how to go back to inception, inception. Trust me on that. Yes, it will go back to when you were born and your parents. All insurers will be able to see where you were raised in your youth and your interests. It will go right up to the time of injuries from your recent car collision. So in other words, if you've been in more than one collision, they'll be looking. Okay? In fact, they have a database that has all that information about you stored away. And yes, it will include past car wrecks. In fact, the insurance industry created, like I said, the entire database system to keep track of what they often review about you. And guess what? Only companies see it. Yes, they build an entire profile on people injured in car accidents. But what is the agenda for acquiring everything about you and those associated with past and present living? The goal is to build a case against insurance claims in order not to pay any benefits. Let me say this again. If it's a significant amount, most of these insurance claims, they're looking for ways not to have to pay you. And what are insurers doing? Well, dark games, I call those dark games, are often being played by insurers, which are your insurance companies. The injured spend the time in recovery trying to live day, live life one day at a time, right? So you're out there struggling, trying to make ends meet, trying to make things go forward. And what's happening now they're playing dark games. Life seems to halt after a personal injury, especially when financial woes begin. And, you know, since most people have less than $500 in their uh, savings account, you know life gets hard for most of us pretty darn fast. Most injured don't realize that short-term disability, if you're working, okay, and you have a, an employer who's willing to pay you short-term disability and the long-term, and, and the long-term disability, and that's if you have that insurance policy, they actually pay less than 100% of the wages that you get each month. And therefore, injured live daily in physical pain with financial anxiety not far away. Can I get an amen on that? The struggles and hardships now faced have a secret added problem. You know what that is? Instead of insurance paying out, insurers have a preference of keeping money and going back on their problems through car accident victims. They're sounding more and more like Trump every day. Let's hope he changes his mind one more time. When do injured figure out that they have become a target of the auto insurance company or long-term disability employers along with social security disability? Insured, which is you, the injured, thought insurance, which is the insurance company, could be trusted to help them at one of the most difficult times in life, typically when you need help the most, when you're the most vulnerable, when little is left to support a lifestyle that you become accustomed to each month. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, living the middle gates life, okay? Most people are just trying to get by every month and take care of their kids and their family and themselves. So people become hurt, disillusioned, and broke. And where do many agents find themselves? Sad and in despair. But remember one thing. We don't know whether this is going to be permanent or temporary. And we don't know whether the insurance companies will pay the benefits or just leave you out in the cold. But what I say is you don't give up, give in. You look at what they've done, you remember that. And when things come up, especially about insurance, that you know you want something to be done, you stand for it, because you will remember how they've treated you. Remember if insurance companies pay you, or your employer pays you, or or wherever that money's supposed to come from, wherever you have an insurance policy. If they don't pay you, don't hold in and be fearful. Speak out. Spread the word. Let other people know, don't go to that insurance company because of they don't pay. Will they try to make you embarrassed and ashamed? Yeah, they will. But guess what? You don't have to be. You can choose to stand up, tell the world what's been done, who did it, and what, how you've been, been able to stand and succeed. Because I guarantee you, if you don't give up and you don't quit, you will succeed no matter what hardship you're facing. Is that optimistic? Eh, some people would probably say that it is optimistic. I, help, however, think it's just the choice that you make to say no matter how bad it gets. for most people, it, it can get awfully hard. So I, I don't want to pretend like it's, it's easy. It's not hard. But one thing about hard things in life, you get through them. And, and I don't want to say they say that the, you get... Sometimes people will say, well, you just get, it. when you go through tough things, you get tougher. I don't know if that's always how i like to phrase it. But what I would say is that as you go through tough times, you learn, and you're more you're more aware about your surroundings and your environment and the people. And you do make uh, choices later on that make it an advantage. of. Okay, I'm going to actually do Disability Surveillance Target Day 2 and then I'm probably going to stop at that point. But realize that you can go out to estroseattle.com, and so far up to day six is out there. So you can either uh, go ahead and read a little bit of that uh, on your own or come back next week and hear more. So disability surveillance targets on day two says, as injured attend medical appointments, soon it becomes apparent that there's a group of individuals always there at some time or at the same time, right? Appointments by these people have been made prior to yours, during, or after with the same physician or other uh, physicians in the same office. Blood draws are not excluded. Restrooms with two or more stalls, they're also found visiting at the same time most injured are. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, Bullies are bullies, but I'll tell you one thing. You don't have to take it. You don't have to step aside. You just get your camera out, and you start to click, clickety-clickety-click. What are they doing? If they're online and they're, they're actually not allowing you to go to places that you normally do, or you keep finding out that strange things keep happening on your cell phone or your online or even in public because they do do a lot of strange things in public, flashing bright lights in your eyes, Uh, standing beside you in front of your car, you know, making lines extremely long in the grocery store. I mean, believe me, I could tell you stories that are endless on some of the behaviors that these people do. Okay. So how much influence are these insurers gaining with your physicians or other medical services? Because if harassers from insurance companies are constantly with your doctors or other medical services, what are they saying in their ear? And do they believe them? And on top of that, when insurance companies are the ones who pay your doctors or medical services, you know, where are they going to stand? Because when you don't pay them, which is to me a problem, from my perspective, we should go back to the patient uh, paying the doctors and the insurance companies paying the patient so that it gives patients more control on how things go uh, with the insurance, with the, their life. I mean, it really is your life. You're the one that's injured. You're the one trying to recover. They should not be dictating how your life should be. How much influence are these insurers gaining with your physician or other medical services? Injured are typically clueless. What I and I'm not meaning that in no disrespect, okay? I know I've been there and done that, so to speak. Injured are typically clueless about conversations concerning them and what rumors versus truth are discussed, as I'm talking about in a healthcare environment. Injured have fretted healthcare businesses, fretted, that's funny, have frequented healthcare businesses for years or even decades and have kept it real in describing conditions. Do injured really need the extra hassle at the time when recovery is so important? Here you are trying to recover and feel better. You're just trying to get back because you know, oh, Lordy, I need that job. Oh, Lordy, you know, so many things are going on. I need to be able to take care of my kids. I need to do this and that. And you have the least bit of interest in this insurance company. You're just trying to get back on your feet. Often this is a sense, and there's a sense things have changed regarding health care and the environment with the presence of these insured individuals representing representing their employers happens. The question becomes, why are they there? And what is the goal? I'm gonna ask let me put that back out to you because if you're dealing with disability if you're dealing with being a disability surveillance target, those are two key questions. The question becomes why are they there? And what is the goal? And every time you see their face, ask yourself that question. Why are they there, and what is the goal? Do insurers have power over medical industry because they pay bills? Yes, they do, right? So the insurers do have power over the medical industry because where does their money come from? Them. Even though they're for who? The insurers. That means us, right? So they can take three months, six months, or they can say, we're not going to pay you, right? and everyone wants to be paid for the work that they do. From my perspective, this provides too much power and control to influence what happens in healthcare care offices all over the country. The choice should be to return that into the hands of the public. In other words, patients should be choosing about their health care, not insurance companies. Money should flow through the patient's hands versus the insurer's hand. Let me say that again. Money should flow through patients' hands versus insurance. In this way, the healthcare industry of insurance companies and allowed to make decisions based on health and not wealth of insurance. Do insurers, that's the insurance companies, look for skeletons in, in, in insurance closets? That means ours. Yes, they do. Do they make threatening demands? Yes, they can. Use deviant strategies to entrap? Yes, they do. Whatever ensures strategy or technique, it gets a lot of attention by the people they choose to target. And why is that? Because most people, excuse my first year, of course it is, here it comes, are saying, what the hell is going on? What are they doing? Why are they bothering me? I have no time for this. I don't feel good. I have no sense of humor, right? Those are many things that people are saying. However, not all targets fall, actually fall prey to the insurance tactics to harass, intimidate bully. okay? Some stand tall and ask questions are rarely returned from these people. And why is that? Because in my opinion, they know they're doing the wrong things. They know the harassment and intimidation they're doing is not for legitimate reasons. It's for reasons so that they can keep the money promised to you. Now, is this because insurance companies have too much to lose? How can they lose? They have all of our money. It's not their money. It's our money. Insurance hidden agendas exposed? Yes. More and more of us talk about what they've done to us, the more it's exposed, and the more we'll have to, we'll, we'll be, they'll have to put it into to it. The more people know about what's happened to people involved in car accidents by the insurance companies, by employers, by long-term disability companies or by Social Security or any other insurer, it's time that people start to know what's happening. And the vast number of car wrecks, insurers' vast number of car wrecks themselves, oh, that's funny, to, which could document actions of intimidation or harassment in full view. In other words, when you, the insured that's with an E-D. So it's insured, that's you with the E-D. Insurer is the insurance company with the E-R. When the insured from harassing and intimidating and bullying you have a large number, which I've seen this, of car accidents, car accidents themselves, when those would be documented instead of hidden, it would demonstrate in full view the harassment and intimidation they do to red those people involved in car accidents that they don't want to pay. One thing is for sure, while sitting in the doctor's office, insurers desire to let you know they are here with you, and that becomes evident by displaying the power against you. this is far-reaching because it can be nonverbal communication moves that attempt to express that the insured, that's you, is powerless against them which, first of all, is not true. You do have a choice, and you do have a voice, and don't let them ever tell you otherwise. Choose not to give up and not to let go of your voice, but to speak out in the circumstances in which you find, your, find yourself. That's so important. When you speak out and you, you know, when I say James Jay's going to say, say it loud, right? I'm black and I'm proud. You know, he has that going out. For little kids, I, that tells you how old I am, We were so proud because that made us accept who we were and be proud of what we do. And that's exactly what people injured in car accidents must do against insurance companies who refuse to treat them right and pay them benefits or settlements. Harassment and intimidation against disability surveillance targets creates a tunnel of darkness that must be overcome, as whether it's in a doctor's office, a public square, or online. Car accident is not your choosing, although destructive in its design. Follow the light of hope instead of darkness of the insurance. Let me say that again because it's really important. When you're out there and things are not going like today, them hacking in on the program and trying to prevent it from going on, You always have to have hope. You have to be, you know, somewhat prepared, too. But you have to have hope of being able to reach your goals and dreams. I always go back to something that Michelle Obama said. She said when bullies or people do things against her, she does not focus on what they do. She focuses on what she wants to accomplish. And that's the same thing to me as hope. Hope leads towards a better future, by creating positive outcomes. If you go down that negative road that they want you to be under, then you would never make it to your destination. And a good example of that is the show today. Would I have been able to accomplish this goal by them uh, hacking my laptop and and breaking things down so I couldn't use those options? No. I I refuse to give up, and I refuse to give in. I choose to make Other people informed about what happens after a car accident. So where does that come from? It comes from hope. It comes from hope and determination to to succeed. And I hope that you'll also find that in your journey. The injured must be fearless against bully with a determination to successfully move forward. Is this a fight against all odds? Not at all. When the vast millions of injured stand up or sit down, depending on your injuries, against greed and the power of insurance companies who think that they have a way to save money is to harm those that they promise to to protect, change will come in favor of car accidents. In other words, when the millions, I didn't say a few, when the millions of us stand up and say, no more insurance companies, we want to be paid. Your greed and power of influence stops here. We will no longer tolerate the abuse that you place out here each and every day against us. We're going to stand together. Another thing I wanted to uh, continue to say is that make sure that no matter how many bullies sit in or visit your physician, that you continue to go. Because one of their goals is, is you will get worse and worse. Or other problems will arise while they're trying to intimidate you in your own doctor's office. So don't stand forward. Just get what you need and keep pushing. Okay. Insurers do delay payments in hopes to discourage you. All of us standing kept together can turn these behaviors around, and we don't have to put up with this individually or as a country. We are millions strong. Let me let's say that again. We are millions strong, with great minds and creativity. Does disability impact us? Yes, it does. Does injury impact us? Yes, it does. But we are together, millions strong, with great minds and creativity. Harassment and intimidation, by ensured, can be stopped when we join together. And that's just really just, you know, the word as I say it. That's just so true. And it really is. Because that's what it takes. Just like the Women's Million March, I thought that was truly exciting to see so many men and women and children out there saying, you know what, we're not going to be mistreated. We're not going to, to actually do this. It's not going to happen. So when we all start to do that, that's when change really comes up. There's some other things here, but I think I'm going to hold them back till next week, although it's going to be a little old. Because as you know, this week, or I can just actually tell you a couple of them, and then you can uh, try to give me a call at 718-766-4385, or go out to uh, Twitter at at Estra's Radio Show. Use the hashtag Tell Estra about some of these uh, uh, topics of the week, because by next week, who knows what we'll be talking about. So some of the things I was going to ask about was... uh, First of all, today is the Chinese New Year, and it's the year of the rooster. So if you made a personal resolution, go out there on hashtag (coughs) – excuse me, my voice is getting a little dry – hashtag tell ESRA and let me know. Also, net neutrality, I hope that you're paying attention to this, and don't go to sleep on this because, frankly, I think a lot of companies are already just invading our Internet, and we really need to have net neutrality in place to have a decent chance are protecting the internet. So if you have something to say about that, please use the hashtag tell TellEstra or give me a call at 718-766-4385 if you can get in. Some of the other issues I was going to talk about is about Obamacare and Planned Parenthood, immigration. Those are the, some of the executive orders of Donald Trump this year, and also Jeff Session and Rex Tillerson. Um, if you have any on them being part of a uh, uh, President Trump cabinet, please let me know. Just do hashtag TellEstra. Voter suppression versus voter pro- voter fraud was uh, to me a major issue, and no one's really talking about uh, the redistricting that has really, from my perspective. Uh, Impacted our election along with perhaps what's been going on with Putin. And so hopefully within the next month or so, we'll learn about that. I thought that uh, Mexico's president's comment to President Trump was also quite interesting. And uh, I'd be interested to see or to hear your comments at hashtag on that information too. And also the comments on Emmett Till, the woman who said that uh, he actually hadn't bothered her over you know, so many decades ago. But what I'll do is I'll save some of these topics and we'll go through them next week. And uh, hopefully not too much will happen this week so that we'll we'll get behind. But I really appreciate you staying with me today and being a part of the conversation because it's important for all of us involved in car accidents to join together. And I think even standing with the Women's March would be a great avenue to pull in people who've been injured and having Concerns with auto insurance, or uh, Social Security, or long-term disability, or ERISA with their companies. It's important for, for us all to stay together and work as a team to make these changes come. And these changes, hopefully, will come through insured civil rights legislation passed by Congress. Which means we all have to work to get them to move in the right direction. Thanks for being with me today. I hope to hear from you soon, next week. Tune in next Saturday at 7 p.m. on Block Talk Radio. It's Talking About You with Esther. Have a good night.